Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. On this uh, Thanksgiving week, Donald Trump now uh, continuing his never-ending screed against black athletes, basically. Uh, it's, uh, you know, people of color seem to be the, uh, or athletes who are people of color, seem to be basically the only um, recipients slash victims of his tirades. This morning he called uh, LeVar Ball, uh, the, the father of Lilangela Ball, who was uh, one of the UCLA basketball players uh, busted in China for shoplifting, called him an ungrateful fool and a poor man's version of Don King. Remember Don King, the black boxing promoter? Yeah. Leave it to Trump. Such, you know, stay classy, Donald. Stay classy. Incredible. Today is the uh, uh, anniversary of the assassination of Jack Kennedy. Lamar Waldron and I wrote two books about this, one called Legacy of Secrecy. Um, in fact, I think I have them here. Oh, yeah. The other one, Ultimate Sacrifice, John and Robert Kennedy, the plan for a coup in Cuba and the murder of JFK. And, uh, and a special tip of the hat to Liz Smith, who died on November 12th, she was 94 years old. She really helped us promote this. And uh, well, it wasn't so much us. I mean, she was just all over the topic. And every time Lamar and I made a discovery, AM World, Commander Juan Almeida and his work for John Kennedy, uh, the Camtex FBI operation that actually got Carlos Marcello to confess on tape to uh, organizing the murder of John Kennedy. And, uh, uh, you know, Jack Van Lanningham was his uh, cellmate and, and did that on behalf of the FBI. And Jack is still alive and willing to tell his story. Uh, in fact, we tell it in, in our books and Lamar in his new book, The uh, Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. So just a heads up. Net neutrality protests are going to be happening. I mentioned this yesterday. I want to mention it again because I think that there's a larger context, a larger frame here. Uh, and, th and that is that the the same, I, we're looking at a process. This is the, the uh, gradual, but in this case, it's happening fairly rapidly. I mean, this is happening over a period of a decade or so. Um, arguably, it started happening in 1971 with uh, Lewis Powell's memo to Eugene Sindor, the uh, chairman or president of the, of the um, 
of the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And that letter has been referred to as the Powell Memo, in which Powell said, you know, corporations, businesses, rich people need to start getting politically active. Up until that point, it was considered unpatriotic for a corporation to engage itself in politics because corporations have so much financial power that everybody understood that they could twist politics to their advantage, you know, to their goals, to their ends. And therefore, it was highly inappropriate for corporations to be involved in politics. But in 71, uh, Lewis Powell argued strongly and forcefully to some of the wealthiest people in America, you've got to get politically active. And they did. In the 70s, they started the, the Heritage Foundation. The Charles Koch Foundation became, uh, was renamed as the Cato Institute. Uh, they, they uh, uh, you know, within a decade and a half, two decades, you had Fox News. Uh, right Wing Hate Radio really started in 87, again, in large part as a consequence of the Powell memo, in my opinion. The, uh, the, and then Lewis Powell in 72, Nixon put him on the U.S. Supreme Court, and thus in 1976, in the Buckley versus Vallejo case, he ruled and wrote the opinion that giving money to politicians, that when billionaires and corporations who make them rich give money to politicians, that's not considered a bribe. That's considered free speech, protected by the First Amendment of the United States. So Citizens United began, it didn't really begin, it, it, it put on steroids, it certified, it ratified, it, it brought, it, it turned into an industry, the purchasing of politicians, particularly Republican politicians. Republicans fully embraced this. In a similar way, we're watching this move for net neutrality. Ajit Pai, the former Verizon lawyer, who now is the head of the FCC, moving to destroy net neutrality in just a few weeks. And there are going to be protests at Verizon stores all over the country. Demand progress, fight for the future, free press action network. Fightforthefuture.org is really kind of leading this. Uh, this is going to be... Uh, two weeks from Thanksgiving, December 7th, if I'm doing the calendar in my head correctly. Currently, there are protests planned for Phoenix, Denver, San Francisco, New York City, Indianapolis, Boston, and other cities around the country. There's gonna be a special event in DC. The Free Press Action Fund director, Mary Alice Krim, said, while FCC chairman Ajit Pai has been busy meeting with industry lobbyists and greedy Verizon executives, he should not ignore the millions of Americans who are joining together to reject his bill to kill off net neutrality. Mark Stanley, Director of Communications and Demand Progress, said Americans are sick and tired of lawmakers placing the profits of monopolistic companies like Verizon and Comcast ahead of the interests of ordinary people. Well, that's exactly what's happening. And you want to see what happens when you end net neutrality? Look at China. Piece in, uh, the, in the New York Times yesterday, the headline, Skype vanishes from app stores in China, including Apple's, by Paul Moser. For almost a month, Skype has been unavailable on a number of sites where apps are downloaded in China, including Apple's own app store. Apple has said to the dictators of China, sure, no problem, we'll do whatever you want, just keep making us money. This disruption began in late October, according to Paul Moser in uh, the New York Times. While China has long wielded the most sophisticated, he writes, and comprehensive internet controls in the world, under President Xi Jinping, it has upped the ante, squelching most foreign, foreign, social networks, and messaging apps one at a time. They've taken down Gmail, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Telegram, and Line. 
Beijing appears to have disabled these apps because they generally feature encryption options that make messages harder for the government to monitor. Well, wait until it's just your ISP trying to monitor it. It might let you use more apps because after all, they're your ISP. They've, they can read absolutely everything you do unless you're trying to use a VPN, in which case they're going to throttle you, or at least Comcast used to do that to me, uh, presumably to everybody else. The move is a reminder of how beholden Apple has become to the Chinese government. Last year, it said it had complied with a request from the Chinese authorities to remove apps created by the New York Times from its China app store. So the way I've characterized this up to this point is like corporations are going to censor you here in the United States. The government is going to censor you there in China. But the reality is far grayer. It's actually a middle ground that includes the horror, the freak show of both of those scenarios. Because these corporations now have bought control of our government, even though only a very small percentage of Americans actually want net neutrality to be destroyed, actually want Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, whatever, to be able to censor what you see on the internet, to provide you with content that's profitable to them at high speed and content that might be detrimental to them or even contradict their official lines at very low speed or even block them altogether. The majority of Americans don't want that. But, but our FCC, uh, the, the Trump administration, the Republicans in Congress are perfectly willing to give that to us, to stick us with that, because they're being paid off by these big internet service providers. Another example of the Republican Party putting profits, money, and power, political power, ahead of what's right and what's good for America and Americans. These people don't give a damn about the United States of America. They want their profits coming out of China. They want their profits to be stored in bank accounts in Panama and Switzerland and the Bahamas. They, you know, they, they just, they, they, didn't, they don't give a rat's ass about you or me. And that's what's going on. Meanwhile, the same thing, you know, another form of fascism, you know, now it's the petro uh, industry, the, the fossil fuel industry, buying off Republicans so that the EPA is censoring climate change. I'll tell you about that right after the break. But it's basically a variation on doing away with net neutrality. You're going to see the exact same thing. This is fascism in motion. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Fascism, the merger of corporate and state interests combined with belligerent nationalism. American Heritage Dictionary, 1987. <laughs> sure to tell them, tell them. Welcome back. Okay, censoring climate change. This is, you know, again, the, the, I'm calling this fascism. And I think that we need to start using language that actually reflects reality. The definition of fac- fascism as Benito Mussolini invented the word, it comes from the Italian, from the Latin word fasce, which is, was the old symbol of the Roman Senate or, or of the Roman Empire, actually. Um, uh, our Senate has, a pic- has engraved in the speaker's podium, as I recall, a uh, fasce, which is a bundle of sticks with a rope around it with a little axe stick stuck in the top. And this was the symbol of the Roman Empire. And the idea was that individual sticks can easily be broken. But if you bundle them together, tie a rope around them, you can't break it. You can't even destroy it with an axe. So fascism is the merger, you know, Mussolini defined it as the merger of corporate and state interests. 
And in Italy in the 1930s, he dissolved the parliament that had been elected by the people and replaced it with a parliament where each, the Italian equivalent of a congressional district, each congressional district, instead of sending an elected representative to serve in the Italian parliament, the largest corporation in that district sent a representative to serve in parliament. And the, the, the name of the parliament was changed during uh, Mussolini's rule to the uh, Camera de Fascizio Corporaciones, the Chamber of Fascist Corporations. How is what's going on right now any different from that? I mean, it's, it's not quite as blatant, it's not quite as obvious, it's not quite as honest. But as Tolly Rinberg and Andrew Bergman report in today's New York Times in an article titled Censoring Climate Change, If you search Google for the words climate change a little over six months ago, one of the first hits would have been the EPA's website, the Environmental Protection Agency. But that was before April 28th, when the agency began systematically dismantling its climate change website. Now, why would they do this? Well, because some of the biggest funders of the Republican Party are the Koch brothers. Koch Industries is a fossil fuel company, largely. I mean, the Koch brothers, their daddy made all his money in, in Russia teaching Joe Stalin how to drill for oil, came over here to the United States, came back to the United States, you know, expanded that fortune. Refineries down in Texas, pipelines, uh, you know, they own a good chunk of the Canadian tar sands, et cetera, et cetera. They're fossil fuel billionaires. And, they, and, and their, their political arm, or one of their many political arms, is called Americans for Prosperity. And this is, well, the, uh, let me just share with you some pieces from this uh, from this piece. This is uh, today's New York Times. If you search Google, I mentioned, if you search Google for the words climate change a little over six months ago, you would have gotten the EPA before April 28th. If you search those words today, a link to the EPA site may not appear until the second or third results page, and sometimes not even then. The site has fallen in Google search results because its URL, its address, no longer directs you to a climate change site or even a related page. If you click that link, you'll be redirected to a notice page that says we're currently updating our website to reflect EPA's priorities under the leadership of President Trump and Scott Pruitt. A significant number of pages and PDFs are not available. Entire portions of the sites, like the Student's Guide to Climate Change, have been left out. Now broken links previously led to EPA climate change pages are scattered across federal and non-federal websites. There have been changes to tens of thousands of web pages. It is clear that the administration is intent on making it difficult or impossible to find information on its web pages about climate change. Of all the websites they write in the New York Times today, of all the government websites we've been monitoring, the EPA's has been hit the hardest, I would say, by this fascist administration, an administration that is entirely dancing to the tune of billionaires and the industries that made them rich. Find anything this administration is doing that isn't principally being done for the benefit of billionaires and the, and the corporations that made them rich. I can't think of anything. Terms like, back to the article, terms like greenhouse gas, carbon, and climate change have been replaced by vague descriptors like sustainability and emissions. In addition, web resources about specific regulations, they've disappeared. Talk about censoring the internet. The agency has also removed its website for climate and energy resources for state, local, and tribal governments, limiting over 200 pages, including almost all of those pertaining to climate change. The State Department removed reports containing required emission projections under an international treaty. The Interior Department removed descriptions of its priorities for tackling climate change. Links to websites hosting climate data were removed from the main Department of Energy climate change website. 
I mean, it's just, this is a horror show. And the other thing about fascism is, you know, hey, it's all about rich people. So you got Senator Rob Portman, the Republican from Ohio, lying in a, in a, in a was it a town hall or was this an interview? Let me uh, track this down. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interview, a tax reform event hosted by the Koch-funded PAC, Americans for Prosperity. Gee, what a surprise. Rob Portman was asked by a constituent whether the tax bill would impact his Medicare benefits. Here's what Senator Rob Portman said. He said, no, it's a tax reform bill. Well, actually, it is going to impact all of our Medicare benefits and more. And I'll tell you about that after the break. It's, this is... There's this thing called PAYGO. It was passed back during the, uh, I believe, during the Bush administration. And I'll describe it to you in just a minute. Stick around. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Correct myself here. PAYGO was passed in 2010 during the Obama administration. We'll, We'll share the details and then pick up your calls right after this. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeets for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeets is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. Welcome back. I wanted to talk about PAYGO, and I want to talk about uh, the, the war on women as part of a fascistic takeover agenda, basically. So PAYGO was passed in 2010 as a uh, so-called fiscal responsibility uh, program. It was supposed to you know, make us more fiscally competent. Keith Hall is the director of the Congressional Budget Office. And uh, he sent a letter in response to an inquiry from Steny Hoyer, the Democratic whip uh, in the House. He sent a, a letter saying that If the Republican tax bill passes in the form that the House of Representatives passed uh, earlier this week or late last week, he says, if a bill passed by Congress is predicted to add to the deficit, equivalent cuts to a preset list of programs are triggered automatically to offset the new deficit. And that's going to happen, right? I mean, this is the the, the Congressional Budget Office, nonpartisan agency is saying this is is how it's going to play out. This Republican tax scam is predicted to add $1.5 trillion to the deficit over the next 10 years. And that doesn't include the cost of interest payments on the national debt. And so the OMB is required by the PAYGO Act to impose sequestration, in other words, cuts, on a predetermined list of programs, which includes Medicare. Right? The whole point of this, uh, you know, the, of the 
the pay-go ad, pay-as-you-go ad, was to say, you know, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans can run up the deficit without slashing programs that are vital to Americans, like Medicare. Well, Republicans don't give a damn about Medicare. They're just fine with that. In fact, they like the idea of cutting Medicare because the more people who get thrown off Medicare, the more profits their buddies in the insurance industry can make. But the CBO is saying that there, there will be automatic cuts to Medicare if this passes. It'll be $25 billion in 2018. And then every year from 2018 to 2027, for the next nine years, every year, it will be a 4% cut to Medicare. Now, the Republicans are saying, well, yeah, but we've had budgets in the past that have gone over, you know, that have violated PAYGO. And we simply put a waiver into the legislation saying this doesn't apply, you know, PAYGO doesn't apply to this. The problem is if they put that waiver in this legislation, it will not be eligible for sequestration. In other words, it won't be eligible to be voted on by only 51 senators. It'll take 60 senators. So they're not going to put that PAYGO waiver in there, which means that the legislation is automatically going to kick in these Medicare cuts. And this isn't some speculation. I mean, this is exactly how it works. So Rob Portman was at this Koch-funded PAC Americans for Prosperity event. Senator Rob Portman, Republican from Ohio, and somebody said, hey, you know, uh, this thing is going to cut my Medicare benefits. And Portman says, uh, you know, quotes in exchange with the Joint Committee on Taxation, the Chief of Staff, Thomas Berthold. He says, Mr. Berthold, is there anything in this bill, anything in this bill that affects Medicare and Medicaid? No, it's a tax reform bill. Well, yeah, the word Medicare does not exist in the bill. But it's going to trigger these automatic cuts, which will cut Medicare. So after Portman gave that weasel explanation, the Ohio citizen who was asking him said, uh, in fact, then Portman went on to say, I don't know why Democrats, or I'm paraphrasing, I don't know why Democrats on the committee believe Medicare cuts would be linked to the bill. This is partisan rhetoric. When an attendee at the event, this, uh, I'm quoting now from a piece by Little House in Ohio, uh, posted over at Daily Kos. When an attendee at the event stood up to ask Portman directly about PAYGO and its effects on the Medicare budget, Portman ignored the question and an Americans for Prosperity staff member moved to end the event. Keep in mind, yesterday, Lindsey Graham said, if we don't pass this tax cut for billionaires, they're going to cut us off. There's going to be no more money coming to the Republican Party. Portman spokeswoman Emily Benavides said the Democrats would be to blame if they refused to waive the PAYGO cuts. You get this? So if they don't want to attack Medicare, then they're going to have to have 60 votes. In order to have 60 votes, they've got to have at least eight Democrats. And so now Rob Portman and the, in fact, his spokeswoman says, well, if the, if the Medicare cuts are enacted, it's because the Democrats failed to go along with our legislation to cut taxes on millionaires, billionaires, and big corporations. The Democrats failed to go along with this and say, oh, it's fine to bust the budget. We're going to ignore PAYGO. She said it would be unprecedented and a heartless political stunt if Democrats vote to cut benefits for Medicare recipients in an attempt to stop tax cuts for the middle class. What a flaming lie from Senator Rob Portman, Ohio's office. You might want to call him and let him know what you think of that. Rather than facing consequences of bill, they want to pin those costs on the Democrats. And finally, I wanted to tell you about Alicia Baker. Alicia Baker grew up in a deeply religious family, according to Jordan Smith over at The Intercept on November 21st. 
Her parents were leaders in the congregation. She went to a Christian school. She attended seminary. She received a master's degree at seminary. This is a woman who's committed to her religious values and her religion. In 2015, she moved from California to Indianapolis and met this guy named Josh, and they fell in love and decided to get married. And as Jordan Smith writes for The Intercept, he interviewed her in anticipation of their nuptials. Baker, 28, knew she needed to be on birth control. The couple plans to have children, she says, but they're not quite ready to take that step. Baker is still adjusting to life in the Midwest. The couple just bought their first house. They still have graduate school loans to pass off. She told The Intercept, we're so excited to have kids one day, but right now it would be irresponsible to try to pursue that. Now, in the past, she had tried taking birth control pills, hormone birth control pills, and they caused problems for her. So she didn't think that she could go on birth control pills. So she opted for an IUD. And there's this new IUD that's a little piece of plastic with a little bit of copper uh, wire wrapped around it that goes inside the uterus. And the, the, the copper actually kills sperm. That's how it works. The copper is toxic to sperm. And so it prevents fertilization. So she gets this IUD and her health insurance company, Guidestone Financial Resources, says, sorry, that 1200 bucks for your IUD, we're not going to pay for that. We're a religious company and we believe that IUDs cause abortions, which is BS. I mean, if you insert an IUD into a woman who's already pregnant, yeah, it'll cause an abortion, but nobody's doing that. I mean, it would be, that would be malpractice. In fact, she had to take a pregnancy test before they put the IUD in. They will not put an IUD in a pregnant woman. So it doesn't cause abortions. It prevents fertilization, which is the definition of birth control. But Guidestone opposes IUDs, which it believes is causes abortion. Guidestone is an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention and one of 200 religiously affiliated employers or insurers that basically say, women, birth control, the hell with that. We are advocates of patriarchy. You know, the old fashioned Bible, you know, David and his, well, actually it was Solomon, David's son and his 700 wives and concubines. I mean, that's where we need to go back to, right? Yeah. She says, I have been a Christian my whole life and I've studied the Bible a lot and there's nothing that I've found or in study or in doctrine that says birth control is inherently bad. The decision to have children is a couple's own and when it is the right time. And she, along with the National Women's Law Center and Americans United for Separation of Church and State, this very religious woman with a master's degree from seminary, outspoken evangelical Christian is suing, saying that this is unconstitutional. And then this is just such a great paragraph. Jordan Smith in this piece in The Intercept he writes, it makes sense to cover birth control. Access to contraception reduces unplanned pregnancies and abortions. Well, hey, we can't have that. That would kill the anti-abortion movement. It would encourage birth spacing, which reduces the incidence of low birth weight and premature birth. I'm not sure who benefits from low weight and premature births, but that's, you know, that's, that's what's happening. Moreover, access to contraceptives promotes gender equality. Now we're getting to why they really hate this stuff. Access to contraceptives promotes gender equality and is linked to greater educational attainment and increased earnings for women, gains that directly impact children and families. Increased earnings for women? Oh, no, can't have that. Julius in Alexandria, Virginia. Hey, Julius, what's on your mind today? 
Um, Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on your show. Um, What happened to our America? It got hijacked in 1981 by Ronald Reagan after after his campaign um, committed treason by cutting a deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages for a year so that Jimmy Carter would lose the election. That's what happened to America. I work for a company uh, that makes computers and stuff, and, you know, I am just so seething on this net neutrality thing. Um, I talked to a couple of people at work, and, uh, you know, I found that a lot of people are still misinformed about net neutrality, and they're going through their lives as if nothing is going to happen. They don't even know about it. Yeah. I know. Uh, that's, that's the bad news. I guess the good news is that right now the Internet's on fire. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people right this minute as we speak, Julius, are calling their legislators. We used to have the phone number hanging from our camera. Was it 202, uh, Nate or Sean, either? 202? No, no, not our number. The number for Congress. It's 202-225-3121, isn't it? As I recall, yeah. So, uh Anyhow, call Congress, Julius. That's what we've got to do. I mean, you know, tweet the hell out of this thing. Do it all over social media. Wake people the hell up. This is all part, and Julius, thank you for the call. This is all part of this fascist takeover of America, the takeover of our media by big corporations. Now they'll take over the Internet by big corporations. And, of course, the takeover of women by big religion. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. The number is 202-224-3121 to reach the switchboard for Congress so you can raise hell about this stuff. Good luck. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you on the line with us, Evan Greer. Evan is the campaign director of Fight for the Future and an internationally touring musician and speaker. She writes regularly for The Guardian, Time, Newsweek, etc. The website is verizonprotests.com. Evan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Um, tell us about Fight for the Future and what you all are doing to fight back against you know, this uh, Verizon lawyer turned FCC commissioner, head guy, whatever, Ajit Pai. Sure. So Fight for the Future is a nonprofit that's been working to protect the Internet as a platform for freedom of expression, creativity and social change. Uh, And, you know, we're pretty busy right now, as folks might imagine. I'm sure everyone's been seeing uh, the news of, uh, as you said, this Verizon lawyer who's now running the FCC trying to get rid of net neutrality. Now, you may still be asking, what is net neutrality? Net neutrality is essentially the First Amendment of the Internet. It's what prevents big cable companies like Comcast, Verizon, and AT&T from engaging in censorship and otherwise controlling what we see and do online. So the FCC just announced uh, this sort of official final call for a vote on this. It's going to be coming up on December 14th. So we're basically doing two major things. One is we're encouraging everyone to call their lawmakers right now through our website at battlefortheNet.com. More than 200,000 people have done that in just the last 24 hours alone. So there's a huge public backlash happening right now. But we need to get this into member of Congress's local districts uh, right in their backyards to put pressure on them. So we're organizing protests across the country at Verizon retail stores, uh, shining a light on the corruption that's happening here, where we have a top guy from Verizon running the agency that's supposed to be overseeing them. 
so these protests are going to be across the country. You can find one near you or sign up to host one at verizonprotests.com, as you said. So are you getting any feedback from any members of Congress that, that this is working? Have you, has anybody reported back that uh, I'm, I'm assuming this has become largely a partisan issue that, uh, you know, Democrats are in favor of net neutrality, Republicans are opposed to it? So outside of Washington, D.C., this is not a partisan issue at all. Uh, polling actually shows that more than 73 percent of Republican voters uh, support the existing net neutrality rules, uh, more than 80 percent of Democrats. It's actually one of the few issues that basically everyone agrees on, uh, unless they're a lobbyist for one of these big telecom companies. Uh, and that's what really gives us opportunity here. Uh, inside Washington, D.C., uh, those same lobbyists have been working really hard to make it partisan. Uh, and so that's why it's extra important that folks are reaching out to Republican lawmakers right now. They need to understand that their own base is not with them on this. Uh, and there actually are some cracks in the wall. We're hearing uh, that the calls are making a difference and that there are Republicans that are considering uh, speaking out on this and, and saying that this is not the right direction for the FCC to be heading. Uh, so that makes it all the more important that people are getting out in the streets, uh, making those phone calls, um, because the, this chairman of the FCC, he's a, he's a Republican chairman. He's most likely to listen to members from his own party. Uh, that makes it an uphill battle for us uh, to push back against that misinformation coming from the cable lobby uh, and make sure that we make it clear this is not a partisan issue. Uh, it's a basic free speech issue that everyone can agree on. Yeah. Although it seems that the Republican Party has, is, is much more vulnerable to big money uh, these days. Uh, not to say that there aren't some Democrats who are as well, but um, any, any particular Republicans that, that are um, maybe inclined to be allies or that might be in tight electoral situations where this might be something that could, you know, enough pressure could push their, uh, a change in their, well, actually, I was going to say a change in their vote. To the best of my knowledge, there's not even legislation that would override the FCC, is there? So this is where this gets a little bit complicated, and it's important that people understand this. So we're not calling for Congress to legislate on this issue right now at all. That would be a terrible idea. As you just said, uh, you know, our Congress is extremely susceptible to money from uh, big companies. Uh, and the very same companies that are trying to kill net neutrality have been giving hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions uh, to lawmakers, both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, so legislation on net neutrality right now would be a disaster. It would likely undermine uh, the FCC rules that we have on the books uh, and essentially permanently put a nail in the coffin of net neutrality. So instead of legislation, what we need Congress to do is exercise their oversight authority over the FCC and step in and demand that the FCC slow down or abandon this incredibly unpopular plan to gut the, the rules that are on the books right now. What kind There's absolutely of, no reason to get rid of those rules, and Congress should be doing their job in making sure that the FCC isn't rushing toward a vote uh, when it has no evidence or any reason to do so other than uh, to give a big handout to these giant telecom companies. Right. But, I've, I, you know, I've been hearing about oversight my whole life. I remember when, uh, you know, there, were, there, there was uh, going to be an attempted effort by the FDA to regulate tobacco back in the 90s. And, uh, you know, I believe it was an oversight hearing about the F FDA that, that caused them to bring in, I may be wrong on that, but it, it was my recollection, to bring in those uh, seven tobacco industry executives who all just basically lied to Congress. I mean, uh, how, is there any, are there any teeth to congressional oversight? With the FCC, there definitely is. And again, you know, this is more about, you know, what's important here is that if 
Ajit Pai starts getting flack from his own party, from Republican members of Congress. Uh, you know, they're telling him, look, this is becoming a problem for us. This is going to be an issue for us in the election. Uh, that's when he starts to slow down, right? So there's political mm -hmm. considerations here as well as kind of concrete legislative mechanisms. Um, but, you know, in you know, you're absolutely right. You know, congressional oversight of federal agencies uh, often is a joke or, you know, is, is pushing in the other direction where, uh, you know, Congress is actually trying to, rip, you know, pull back federal agencies when they're trying to do something good for the public. Right. Uh, but in this case, uh, you know, it's, it's a simple uh, situation where the more calls we can get into members of Congress, the more we can lay this at their feet and make it clear to them that if they sit back and don't speak out and allow this uh, rogue federal agency that's you know, blatantly uh, acting against the interests of their constituents, um, that they'll be to blame and that we won't let them get away with it and we won't forget it come election time. How is it that a former lawyer for Verizon ends up the head of the FCC? Well, unfortunately, many federal agencies have that revolving door uh, between industry and, uh, uh, you know, sort of government. Um, and, you know, it's actually not a new problem either. Uh, it's important. And, and I think that speaks to how this is not a partisan issue. Uh, if you recall, the last time we had this big debate, uh, the, cha the chairman of the FCC, who was appointed by President Obama, also used to work as a top cable lobbyist. Uh, and, you know, he was heading in oh, the was Tom Wheeler. as well yeah. until there was massive outcry from uh, people from across the political spectrum, millions of Internet users speaking out, calling their lawmakers, calling the FTC was what got him to turn around. Uh, right. So this is not a new problem. Uh, and it wasn't President Obama that put these rules into place. Uh, they were fought for, uh, again, by millions of people uh, and who fought an uphill battle because there was a, a former cable lobbyist running the FCC then as well. Right. That was Tom uh, and, Wheeler. You yeah. know, that's really what's at stake here. This Evan, Evan am I this debate about net neutrality? Uh, we have to change that entire corrupt system uh, and ensure that public voices are heard, not just lobbyists. Yeah. Uh, we have about 30 seconds left. Where where what should people do? Where do they go to do it? Go online right now, go to battleforthenet.com and call your lawmakers. That's the single most important thing you can do. If you can show up at a protest at a Verizon store in your area on December 7th, that's one week before the FCC votes, that'll be a big help, too. You can find a protest near you at verizonprotests.com. Okay. And, and uh, again, any, any specific names or, you know, if people live in, if, they, if they're represented by Republicans, is it a, a better, you know, is it more important to call than if they're represented Absolutely. by Democrats? If or? your representative is a Republican, it's extra important that you reach out to them. If you run a small business or in any other way can show how this will directly affect you as a member, uh, as a person in their district, uh, those stories go a long way. Uh, so it's important for everyone to speak out. But if you live in a, a rural area or a Republican district, your voice is extra important. Great. Evan Greer, thanks so much for being with us today, Evan. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for all you do. Yep. Good talking. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more of the news of the day and your calls right after this break. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Very interesting. This uh, threechickspolitico.com, a suggestion that the strategy that Robert Mueller is following right now in nailing the Trump administration is to prevent Donald Trump from being able to pardon Jeff Sessions, Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, uh, any of the, you know, Don Trump Jr., any of the malefactors here. 
and that the way that he's going to, now this is just speculation, but it's speculation based in the reality that we know that Mueller has an unsealed indictment. We don't know who that indictment is of. It's not being released. It's not being served. It's not being, it's just, it's just sitting there. And the speculation is that the indictment is an indictment of Trump himself. Now, why would Mueller want that? Because if they indict Manafort or Gates or Flynn or, or, you know, any of these guys, if they indict them for something and Trump tries to pardon them, all they have to do is unseal the indictment against Trump. And now that he is under indictment, he can no longer pardon these people. This is, I mean, you know, talk about seven dimension chess. This is amazing. Dave in Holyoke, Mass. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Uh, thanks for taking my call, Tom. Sure. Uh, happy holiday, too. Thanks, you too. Um, I wanted to thank you and uh, Mr. Waldron for shedding light on a very dark time in our uh, history, sirs, um, on this day. The Kennedy assassination, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was you guys and, you know, very few other people. But uh, my, my point in calling was uh, I live in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and our city council voted unanimously last night to make it illegal to panhandle in the city on the street corners. Mm -hmm. And to make matters worse, if you get caught giving any uh, panhandler money, you get a $50 fine also. Whoa. That will stop it quick. That yeah. will stop it quick. But uh, is panhandling a problem in Holyoke? We're about 40,000 people, and uh, give or take 5,000. And I'd say there's about, on any given day, on any street corner, there's about eight people panhandling. Yeah. That doesn't seem eight like it's worth... 40,000. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's worth a law. Um, but what are your thoughts on how your town is handling this? I'm ashamed. My God almighty. Who's next? The Salvation Army Santa Clauses? Right. Yeah, which is technically panhandling. Very good one, yeah. Dave. You know, yeah, this is, uh, but it really also illuminates a much larger issue, which is why do we have panhandlers in the first place? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you just, you walk through the cities of, uh, you know, developed Western nations, or for that matter, Beijing and, uh, or Tokyo, and you don't see panhandlers, or Seoul, South Korea, you don't see panhandlers, and, or by and large, you don't see panhandlers. Um, this is, this is a, it's not exclusively, obviously, an American phenomenon, but it's a phenomenon that is associated with the destruction of a middle class. It's, course, it's, yeah. you know, people who just can't make it anymore. Uh, you know, I'm, I'd be panhandling, but for the, you know, uh, luck of the draw, I'd be panhandling yeah. myself. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yeah. No, I, I, message, two days before the holiday time, this is the message that Holyoke sends out to the world. Yeah. This is amazing. Dave, thanks for sharing the story with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to WHMP. Myra in Hollywood, Florida. Hey, Myra, what's on your mind today? Oh, hi, Tom. First, I have to say that I'm exhausted from being in a constant state of outrage. This is, this is just taking, I think, a toll on the whole population. I agree. I wanted to comment on the net neutrality issue. I had never heard of the, those words until a couple of years ago when it first was brought to light. It wasn't this thing. It was not in the public consciousness. But there was one person fighting in, in that regard. And that one person was Al Franken. Does anybody remember that? I do. And yes. And now that it's coming up and that it's all in the forefront, um, is it coincidence that 
there was um, defamation of Al Franken precisely a couple of weeks before this vote, before this issue. And, and we know Roger Stone was involved somehow um, in handling the, uh, the charge against him. And I just find that more than coincidental. Yeah, both Roger Stone and InfoWars or somebody from InfoWars were tweeting, you know, the, the night before the Franken revelations came out or whatever you want to call it. And it sure looks to me like a right-wing hit job. Um, but, you know, on, on the one hand, on the other hand, you know, every liberal in America is trying to be very careful not to sound like they're saying, but we don't believe that woman. Right. And and right. so it's it's a it's a terrible pine to be in. And the Republicans are making the most of it. So I, I think I, it's related I, to net neutrality. I think it's related to that issue. It wouldn't surprise me, Myra. I, I have a feeling that there's a, a whole hell of a lot more to this story that's going to come out. And it may come out as a consequence of an ethics investigation in the in the Senate, which which Miss uh, mm -hmm. Tweeden apparently doesn't isn't all that enthusiastic about. And I, I think I know why. Myra, thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Merlene in Morristown, or Morriston, Florida. Hey, Merlene, what's up? Uh, I just, uh, uh, thanks for taking my call, sure. Tom, and, and I hope you and your family have a, a real nice Thanksgiving. And thank you. I'm calling regarding the tax uh, plan that the re Republicans have come up with. Mm -hmm. If there's some way we could find out the salaries of all our legislators and if they qualify for to be millionaires or billionaires, they should recuse themselves from voting. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, we now, the, the Senate is almost entirely millionaires. There, there are a few uh -huh. Democrats who are not. You know, Bernie, I think Al Franken isn't a millionaire, but I'm, I'm not sure. But the House uh, typically was the people's body. And uh, up until just a few years ago, the House never in its entire history had more than half of the House members being millionaires. Now, more than half of members of the House of Representatives are millionaires. So saying they shouldn't vote. Yeah, they if, not if, vote. yeah, absolutely. If, if they're going to benefit from the legislation, um, you know, at the very least, they should disclose that they should disclose how much they're going to benefit from this legislation. But that's not going to happen. Absolutely. You know, the, the political class, particularly the Republican political class in this country, thinks of themselves as above all that petty stuff. That's what that's those are things that the riffraff have to deal with. You know, it's a, what did Leoma Helmsley say? You know, only the little people pay taxes. Um, I recall that. Yes. So there you are. Merlene, thank you for the call. Excellent point. Michael in Goose Creek, South Carolina. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind? Hi, um, I want to thank you for all that you do. And I wish you a very happy holiday. Thank you, Michael. Uh, the reason I'm calling is because um, Trump's presidency is is such a disaster but i think there's one thing that he's doing that is right and um and maybe that's because a, a broken clock uh, is right two times a day anyway and that is the um, opposing the merger between time warner and um and AT&T. Yeah. Yeah. And it's looking like his opposition is because he wants them to spin off CNN so that presumably Rupert Murdoch can buy it. Um, and if that's the reason, that's a pathetic reason to oppose a merger. Oh, yeah. The, you know, if his reason to oppose the merger is because one of his uh, trade advisors, and I know two of them, uh, you know, the, the, uh, have said these mergers are not good for America, then, hey, you know, Donald Trump is doing something right. I, I support at least the rhetoric of his positions on trade. And, and I support at least the rhetoric on this position on, you know, uh, the Justice Department suing to block this merger. I think that those are good things. 
But if they're being done for the wrong reason, they will ultimately be done in the wrong way. You know, if he's if he's opposing this merger, not because he thinks that having monopoly is a bad thing, but because he hates CNN, that's stupid. I mean, that's just wrong. If and 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 the proof will be if they go after other giant corporations and other giant monopolies. You know, uh, you know, how about doing away with the antitrust exemption that the airlines and that the NFL have? How about how about breaking up some of these big, I mean, you know, pick an industry, whether it's food, whether it's air, air travel, whether it's, uh, I mean, you know, just pick an industry. There's, there's the, you know, massive concentration and consolidation in every industry in the United States. And if we want to make America competitive again, we need to bring small and medium-sized businesses back into, into the, uh, the oh, you know. The, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and the only way to do that is to break these big companies up because they are anti-competitive. They are they are you know functionally monopolies, and that's. But I mean, I do see a problem with the with the merger. Yeah. That. Oh, I I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Michael, thank you for the call. Excellent point. Sharon in Belleville, Michigan. Hey, Sharon, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks. I sure. wanted to call and let you know I was going to call you earlier. Uh, a commercial I seen running in my area. I'm in Belleville between uh, Detroit and Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And it was a commercial uh, telling me to call my senator and thank her for all the hard work she's doing for Michiganders. Okay. You know, that's Debbie. <coughs> Is that Debbie Stabenow? Stabenow? Right. So I paused the TV and see who paid for the commercial, and it said the American Chemistry Council. So I Googled them and looked who they were. And, of course, it's Monsanto, Dow, DuPont, Exxon, yeah. Chevron, Eli Lilly. Well, so a number of those companies. watching a commercial ran by Monsanto to tell me to call and thank my senator you know, we had a big fight with her passing that, uh, killing our GMO labeling requirement. Mm. Uh, even though we called and shut her phones down, her email down, and all of America was calling her, please don't get that dark act through for Monsanto. Right. But she ignored us and got that through for Monsanto. Anyway, and now I'm having to watch commercials uh, like Monsanto's rubbing our face in it. So I called her today to voice my uh, unhappiness yeah. for that. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, you know, holding lawmakers accountable is the main thing that we have to be doing. Good on you, Sharon. Thank you for the call. I, you know, I think that uh, Monsanto and Dow both at one time had either headquarters or major facilities in Michigan. It may still be the case. Um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, you know, you, you try to work with the industries in your, in your state, but you totally cave in. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. We'll be back with more of your calls right after. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com. And be sure to use T-H-O-M as the promo code for your $100 discount. Welcome back. Randy in Ottawa, Iowa. Hey, Randy, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Um, 
I wanted to comment on on this pipeline leak. I mm-hmm. was a pipeliner in a past life, and um, and I live in the area where they're going to move uh, the Nebraska pipe closer to where I live. I live on the other side of the Missouri River, mm-hmm. and the scene there, as I saw it, with two hundred and ten thousand gallons, that would be a little under forty semi loads of polluted water and and oil. And as I understand it. It takes two barrels of water to move one barrel of tar sands right. uh, through the pipe. A bit of so we're looking at like 140,000 gallons of toxic water and 70,000 gallons of, or 70,000 gallons of, of uh, tar sands itself. Mm-hmm. And in that sandy soil, uh, they, they did a flyover and took pictures of it. I believe it was the next day, and the 210,000 gallons, 40 semi-loads, was gone. I mean, it, it's already down and fallen through the substrate, through the sand and... and uh, you think it's the into the aquifer? And, well, I, you know, I, I, without seeing, knowing the water table and how close to the Missouri River and what the soil is itself, um, now, there, there are several aquifers across the Midwest, but the Ogallala, now that is all sandy. They mm-hmm. call it the sand hills out there yeah. underneath the Ogallala Aquifer. So um, this is a this is a catastrophe in in more than one way, because how deep are they going to go to clean that up? I mean, it's who is the EPA going to oversee it? I just I have some more questions about this. And and uh, the governor of Nebraska, Pete Ricketts, was saying, oh, they're doing a wonderful job. They're doing exactly what they said they would do. Well, but he didn't touch on the fact that that 210,000 gallons of toxic sludge and water just disappeared overnight. Right. You know, so... Um, this is, you know, the lesson... Comment, if, if I may, Randy, the, the lesson that we learned from the Kalamazoo River spill, which happened, what, four years ago, and they're still cleaning up, is that, yep. is that tar sands oil, normal oil, when, when you have an oil spill, most of the oil floats on the water. Tar sands oil is unusual in that it's ground-up coal, and coal is heavier than water, and so it sinks, and it just keeps sinking. Gravity keeps pulling it toward the center of the earth until it hits something where it can't sink any further. And so it's really hell on wheels to clean that stuff up. Um, could I make another comment on that yes, Venezuela sir. part of this? You mm-hmm. know, being that there was a socialist society, uh, or they had, you know, politically were socialists, that would be one reason to uh, deal them out of the equation as far as the Koch brothers. And uh, on JFK... Uh, in memoriam, I'm going to read his inaugural speech. I I love that thing. It's beautiful. Oh, so yeah. I want to I want to thank you, Tom, and I wish you a happy happy holidays. Thank you, Randy. Travels, if thank you thank you very much for the call. It's uh, it's nice yep. to hear from you. I, I appreciate it. It's uh, oh, we got ten seconds. <laughs> so I don't want to don't put a caller on. In fact, you know, Randy just reminded me that uh, Jack Kennedy gave an amazing. Uh, set of speeches, or an amazing speech at Michigan State University on peace. I would love to play parts of that, but I've only got 10 minutes and i got a bunch of callers, so we'll have to do that next week. But I think, yeah, we'll, we'll do it next week. Anyhow, we'll be right back with more of your calls after this. Stick around.
Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Ron in Seattle. Hey, Ron, what's on your mind? Oh, my God. Uh, Tom, Tom Hartman, this is an honor for me. It's a great honor. Well, thank you. Uh, I've been listening to you for 10, 11 years. I've been listening to Paul from Woodenville, my hometown hero, for 15 or 20 years. I know he was uh, pronounced, uh, diagnosed legally blind, but many, in many ways he's the only one that can see. I used to consider myself politically savvy until I listened to the Tom Hartman show and I listened to your callers. They are stellar. Well, you're one of them, Ron, and I appreciate it. What's on your mind oh today? My, God. my best to Louise, and, and I want to say Happy Thanksgiving to America. And uh, I, what spurred me on, I've never called on your show, and I've been listening forever. It's always me and my radio. I'm a contractor. I'm in people's homes remodeling, mm. and I will not miss your show. Thank you. So I was telling the screener when I says, Tom uh, called the, uh, the sludge, the Athabascan Tarzan, uh, bitumen. I know it's spelled that way, but it's pronounced bitumen. Even Amy Goodman calls it bitumen. And bitumen? Word. Bitumen. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, and Tom, um, I am a lab tech uh, from 1983 to 1985. Can you hear me, Tom? Just fine, Ron. Okay, good, good. And I work for the Solvex Corporation, and it's, uh, it's spelled S-O-L-V, like solvent, and that's mm -hmm. what it, exactly what it is, dash extraction. And I analyzed from 1983 to 85, before any of you guys ever heard of this stuff, I analyzed this. Uh, Athabascan tar sand, and it's located out of Fort McMurray, northern Alberta, Canada, and it's quite a metropolis they built up there. There's enough oil up there. Uh, it probably equals two and a half Saudi Arabia's. Now, I analyzed COS, that's Colorado oil shale, uh, PR Springs, uh, uh, that's Utah oil shale. I've done, uh, I, I analyzed Israeli tar sands, and I'll tell you how dirty this stuff is. If you was to put it into your Toyota Corolla, uh, you will immediately turn your Toyota Corolla into a Chevy Suburban. That's how bad it is. And it's, it, I, in my opinion, it would be ideal as bunker sea crude oil for uh, cargo ships uh, that are way out to, to the ocean, but it still goes into our atmosphere. Right. And I have a crude oil burn on my left arm and a few spots on the side of my face. It's healed up nicely uh, because they hired a couple of supervisors out there, and I was running the... Uh, I, we call it the money skid, the extract buffer and the uh, flash column. In a um, refinery, they would call the flash column a cracking tower. Mm -hmm. And I, those guys are getting ready to open a, a valve. I said, you guys, please do not open that valve. Do not open it. And they said, you shut your mouth and called me a few names. And they opened it. I'm glad I was wearing my safety goggles and my hard hat because it comes spraying out all over me. I had second to third degree uh, 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 burns on my arm. These are chemical burns? I'm sorry? Chemical burns as opposed to fire? Yeah, well, it, no, it was the Athabascan crude oil after we extracted it. So the crude oil is that corrosive? You get it on your skin, it burns your skin? Well, it's not like hot water where you splash yourself, like, you know, water boils at 212 degrees. Right. Well, this, uh, out of the flash column, this, uh, the Athabascan tar sand coming out at 466 degrees. Oh, I get when it. it lands, when it lands on you, it's, it's cooking. It's cooking the skin. It's right. cooking the meat. Yeah. And so uh, they rushed me to the hospital and all that. They fired the uh, two supervisors, and they got uh, taken to the, wood, to the woodshed. And they says, Ron was the only one out there in that plant. We built the pilot plant that knows what's really going on. And I have the, uh, the diagrams, the blueprints. I still have all my lab books. 
I can tell you how, what the oil content is of the Athabascan tar sand. It's 14.544% oil content. <laughs> and like I said, yeah, it's very, it's very corrosive. And we use toluene. Uh, uh, as the extract, uh, well, as the sol uh, the yeah. solvent, toluene is loosen this stuff up from the dirt. I probably have 75 grams of tar sand wrapped up in aluminum foil that I saved after all these years. And uh, I'm a, like I said, I'm a I'm a contractor now, yeah. and I sure miss all the guys that I worked with. But when I started working there, I had no idea uh, what this stuff was all about until the controversy, you know, in the last couple of years. And you. Like I said, you, Tom, you guys do your homework, and your your listeners are incredible. And God bless some of the right-wingers that call in because they come in and they start spilling out misinformation, and we have Tom Hartman to uh, recalibrate them and to give them the correct information, and then you tell them, you say, I encourage you to please look this up. Mm. So they are only as good as the information that comes to them. Right. Well, when Tom Hartman tells me something— and it's correct. Um, I don't even have to check it out. But when you uh, tell us something, and it doesn't seem to correct, uh, 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 is not correct. The next day, you will you say, Ron, uh, everybody, I made a mistake. Yeah. And then Ron, I, you know, it's it's wonderful hearing you know my praises sung. But I, it's, it, <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I, I've got a bunch of callers who want to get in here. So I'm gonna sure. thank you so much for your kind words and and spot on on the tar sands. This stuff is poison. Thank you, thank you very much for a knowledgeable voice. It's great to hear from you, Carol in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi, Tom. I wanted to uh, thank you first for what you said a little while ago about uh, the pilgrims and, and the way Thanksgiving was founded. I, I also don't uh, celebrate Thanksgiving for that, for that reason. But I, I do want to say that I, I thank and um, I, I just, the leadership of our Native American tribes this last year between Standing Rock and the fight against Keystone XL Pipeline and so many struggles and so many of these activists are still uh, facing court battles and fines, and it doesn't get talked about. So I just want to applaud them and thank them for their leadership in trying to protect um, our, our fragile environment. Amen. Amen. And, and let's keep in mind, thank, thank you, Carol, for the call. Let's keep in mind there are people who are still fighting legal battles as a result of the Keystone battle that was going on some months ago. Um, it's incredible. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us to get out there, get active, have a wonderful holiday, uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll have a, the best of show Thursday and Friday. We'll be back here on Monday. So tag your it. See you, see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.